to glory to glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. If you can turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, we're picking up in verse 4. The title of our message is Jesus in the Midst. Last week, if you recall, we, we looked at the fact that, that there's a blessing when we read the book of Revelation. And we looked at it's a private reading. When we privately read the, the book of Revelation, God says, I'll bless you. We looked at there's a blessing when you hear the book of Revelation being read to you. So as we read, we're going to be reading from verses 4 to 20 is uh, that message, or excuse me, the text is read, you're going to receive a blessing. God says, I'll bless those that hear this book. But there's also a blessing that comes when you apply the book of Revelation into your life. When you take the word of the book of Revelation and you apply it, you bring application in your life. And God says, if you do that, I'll continue to bless you. But there's a blessing that comes for being a Christian. And the blessing that comes, as we're going to look at this morning, as Jesus said, I'm in the midst of the church. He's in the midst of us. And I can't tell you I fully comprehend and understand what that means, that Jesus is in our midst. But he says that he's in our midst, that he's right here walking in the center of his church. So he's here. And my question is, do we realize that Jesus is right here, right in our midst? This is what church is. Jesus in the midst of his church. He's here right now. And if our spiritual eyes could be opened, I think we would see that Jesus is here in our midst. How does that work? I don't know. How can he be here and he can be, you know, at Calvary Costa Mesa right now? I don't know. In other churches, other denominations, and it's not just in the Calvary churches, in all these different churches, all these different denominations, Jesus is right there in our midst. And I want you to be encouraged with the fact that Jesus is with us as we look at this wonderful book. And it's going to be clear that Jesus is in our midst. So let's take a look. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit. On the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamus, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. 
Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes as a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery. Don't miss this verse, please. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Amen. Let's pray again. Lord God, we just pray over this text. We pray over any technical things that are going on and we just pray that you would just have your way. We read earlier that we're blessed when we trust you, so we're going to just trust you with whatever you want to do in this service. And we trust you right now with our hearts. Prepare them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back to verse 4 if you can. Look back at me. To the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. I'll tell you, I was reading this last night, and it was blessing me. Because if you read this, John is basically saying, uh, he's given a greeting to the seven churches. And the reason why it's blessing me, because if you notice, he, he's saying, I was in heaven. And when I was in heaven, I saw uh, him you know, who was and who, who is to come, him who is. And, and, and I saw uh, the Holy Spirit. I saw the seven spirits, which we're going to talk about is the, the complete work of the Holy Spirit. I saw the Holy Spirit, and I saw Jesus Christ. I, in other words, he's saying, I was in heaven, and I saw the Godhead. I saw the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. At first, you might think, you know, the beginning part where it says, he who was and who is and who is to come, that might be Jesus. But no, if you keep reading the next verse, and it says, and from Jesus. So we see the Godhead. We see the Trinity right here. And John is saying, I'm writing you a message, and, and, the, and from the Godhead, I have a message for you. From the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has a message for you. And I want to write this to the seven churches, which we're going to look at. It means the complete church, what it means for you and for me. And he's saying, I have a message for you. And the message is, right off the bat, as I write this letter from heaven, directly from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, grace to you and peace to you. From them. Did you notice the from? From them. In other words, they told me to give you a message. In other words, the Godhead sent me to tell you something. And it's alive today, and the Godhead has sent this letter for us today to say grace and peace to you in the church. Grace, God's favor. God's favor be with you, and the God of peace be with you. And I want to make sure we understand what this means. That means that as believers, we should be encouraged today that God's peace is with us, and God's favor is on our lives. Amen? 
And we should walk in that assurance. And I better not walk too far on this stage because I'll be falling over. But to walk with that assurance that God's favor is with you as a believer. And in this letter, this is the church during the time he's writing right now. The church was under heavy persecution. The church, the the saints of the living God were being killed for their faith. And and John's going to deliver a letter to every one of the churches. They're actual churches, but it's, it's a church as a whole. He's delivering these letters. And right off the bat, the letter's saying, make sure you understand that God's favor is on your life. And God's peace is with you. And walk in that peace and walk in that favor and realize that God's favor is on your life. It's from, and I just did, my eyes were open like never before when I read that. From, in other words, again, please don't miss this. John said, I was just in heaven. I was caught up in the Lord's day. I was caught up in the spirit. I was caught up into the heavenlies. And I actually had a time to hang out with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And do you want to know what they say? And I'm sure the church, yeah, what did God say? What did the Father say? What did the Holy Spirit, what did Jesus say? And he says right off the bat, may the peace of God be with you and may God's favor be on your life and may you understand that his favor is on you. And may we walk in that and may we be encouraged today that God's favor is on our life. When we're sharing with people out in the world, realize God's favor is with me. When, when persecution comes, when difficult time comes, really, God's favor's with me. When, when difficult times come and we don't know what's happening in our life, God's favor's with me. And don't forget, God's peace is with you. And don't allow the enemy, don't allow your flesh to, to be robbed of God's peace. What a blessing. What a way to start. We can end the service right now, say amen, close the Bibles, and let's go home. And I'll be blessed for the rest of the, till next Sunday, I'm sure. But there's more. Seven is the key, I believe, that unlocks a lot of the, the, the words in this book. The number seven, as he says, seven churches. But seven is a, a big key, I believe. Seven is mentioned, if you're a note taker, 54 times in this book, 54 times. Seven stars, it talks about seven spirits, seven golden vials, seven bold judgments, seven seals, seven lamps, seven horns, seven crowns, seven angels, seven trumpets, seven, 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 seven. And the number of seven, there, there's something that's called biblical, biblical numerology. And biblical numerology, I don't, I don't you know, spend a lot of time studying biblical numer- numerology, but for sure, you know, different uh, numbers mean different things, like 12, if you're a note taker, um, some of you might know this already, 12 is a number of government, because there's 12 tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, there's 12 apostles, so 12 is a number of government, 5 is a number of grace, so 5, that's a wonderful number, number of grace, 6, the Bible tells us, is a number of man, so six, you know, we're, uh, seven is completion. Six, we're incomplete. We're, we're, so six is the number of man. The mark of the beast, six, six, six. It's a number of man. Eight is the number of new beginnings and on and on. But seven, no doubt, is a number of completion. It's a number of completion. So when, when we read the seven churches, it's talking about seven specific churches, but it's also talking about the complete church. When you talk about, you know, different things, seven. So it's a number of completion. We have seven days in a week. We have seven notes in the music scale. We have seven colors in the rainbow. Did you know that? Seven colors in a rainbow? I didn't know that either. I had to look that up to verify that. But there's seven colors in the rainbow. That's complete. That makes it a complete, you know, it's, it's a complete uh, rainbow. So there's seven churches. They're in Asia. 
And so these are specific letters, but please, I, I, I truly believe the seven churches is seven because not only is it for those specific churches, each individual church, but it's for all the church as a complete whole that it goes out. If you're a note taker, I don't want to miss this. Asia was the western part of modern day Turkey. So when we see the seven, when you look at the seven where it says seven spirits before the throne of the Lord, well, we know this doesn't mean there's seven holy spirits. Because it wouldn't fit doctrinally. In Ephesians, it says there's one spirit. There's one Holy Spirit. So I believe that it's talking about the complete work of the Holy Spirit. God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. John's saying, I saw the fullness of the Holy Spirit right there. So, you know, it was the complete work of God's Spirit right in heaven. And as we talk about the Holy Spirit, look at verse 10 again with me, if you can. Verse 10 there. As we talk about the Holy Spirit, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. In the Spirit. The Lord's Day, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's, you know, uh, the general understanding, it's Sunday. So he's saying, I was in the Spirit on Sunday, not in the flesh on Sunday. I was caught up in the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to be more in the Spirit, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. I think people, they make it a goal to be in the Spirit on Sunday. The rest of the week, they do whatever they want. But Sunday, I want to stay in the Spirit. I want to be in the Spirit. It's important that we stay in the Spirit. There's a battle, isn't there? The, the flesh lusts against the Spirit. The Spirit against the flesh. There's a battle to stay in the Spirit. The enemy tempts us to, to get out of the Spirit, to, to get into the flesh. And there's a, the battle that takes a wrestle. And If you're here and you, you, you say, well, Pastor, I never sin anymore. I'm a born-again Christian. Well, the Bible says you're a liar. Sorry to say it that way, but that's what the Bible says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're sinners. We're saved by grace. But there's a battle every day to walk in the Spirit or to walk in the flesh. Are we going to stay in the Spirit? Are we going to stay walking in the Spirit? And I'll tell you what, the, the temptations of the world, the things of the world, the enemy, even your flesh are against you. Did you know that? I could be walking in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Everything's just, oh, Lord, you're so awesome. God, you're so good. I'm just in the Spirit. Lord, you're speaking to me. And I love that message. You spoke to my heart. You confirmed this. And then something happens. I'll be on the, in the car or something, and someone cuts me off or whatever. And this, you know, I'm not in the Spirit. Or whatever it takes to take me out of the Spirit. Last Sunday, friends of ours called us uh, the Clarks, Doug and Lisa Clark. They're Doug's on our board. He's one of our board members. And they called us up, you know, last minute. They just said, hey, you know, you guys, I know it's the last minute, but we've got these, this gift certificate for this Irish pub restaurant place. And, the, and they said, you know, we, it, was a, it was a gift from our, our wedding 10 years ago. <laughs> and we haven't used it. We thought we'd call you guys and see if you want to go. And they're like, we love hanging out with them. I said, yeah, we'd love to go. We're free and we'll, we'll go with you guys. And so we, we end up going to this place. Never been there before, a little ways away from here, quite a little ways away from here. And we're in there and ordered our food. We're getting ready to eat and all. And a lady comes up to the table and she says, Pastor Joe, I want to, I don't know if you remember me. And I'm looking and I say, yeah, you look very familiar. And she says, I used to go to your church three years ago. She says, you baptized me three years ago. And she says, we, my husband and I, we moved, you know, so we haven't been going to your church and blah, 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 blah. And she says, I want to let you know when you walked in the walked into the restaurant. She says, I just ordered a drink. And she says, the, I felt the Lord said that God sent you. And she says, I, I took the drink back and I ordered a water. And she says, I just want to thank you for your ministry. And I want, you know, she, she just started crying, standing there at our table crying. Her husband works at this restaurant. 
We just ministered to her, loved on her the best we could. And, but she says, it was God. I know, you know, God sent you because, you know, I, I, I knew there was something going on there with this. And I knew it was God showing me, you know. And I said, that's God's love for you. It was so funny. We, uh, our friends went to use the gift certificate and the, the card wouldn't work after 10 years. But just so you know, <laughs> just so you know, I just found this out. Maybe you know this, but, but in the state of California, gift certificates are good. They never expire. Just so you know, just to, so, but this one expired on its own. I don't know what happened, but it expired. But our waitress said, you know, that lady that was standing at your table, her and her husband left already, but they paid your bill and they paid the tip. Isn't that sweet? Let me tell you, I'm so thankful that the Clarks were in the spirit on the Lord's Day on Sunday. So much in the spirit, they were prompted to go to this restaurant after holding a card for 10 years because this child of God needed to be ministered to. Are we in the spirit? Not only on the Lord's Day, are we always in the spirit? Are we striving to stay in the spirit? Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that we do not do the things that we wish. Maybe you're in that battle. Stay in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Please look at the latter part of this again. The latter part of verse 4. From the seven spirits which are before his throne. Some see this as the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit, found in Isaiah 11.2. And it very well could be. And I'll, I'm going to read it to you. Isaiah 11, 2, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, speaking of the Messiah, Jesus. This is a prophecy about Jesus before he came. It says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now listen, seven, this is in the King James Version. It tells us the spirit of wisdom, one. The spirit of understanding, two. The spirit of counsel, three. The spirit of might, four. The spirit of knowledge, five. The spirit, excuse me, and the fear of the Lord, six. And the next verse, verse three, and he shall make him of quick understanding, seven. So some look at that and they correlate the two together, that it's speaking of the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit. That's it again in Isaiah 11, verses two and three, if, you, if you're a note taker. So John's writing to the church, the seven churches, the church as a whole, and he's sending a greeting from heaven, from the Godhead, And look at verse 5 again. It says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Unto him who loved us. John's reminding the persecuted church, not only does God and the Godhead want to tell you that his grace and favor is on your life, not only does he want to communicate that God's peace is with you, but he wants to communicate unto him who loved you. He wants you to know he loves you. Jesus loves you. And he washes us from our sins. I think condemnation is such an ugly thing, isn't it? We fall, we mess up, the enemy's right there to condemn. And I believe the persecuted church, when they're going through persecution, when they're going through a difficult time, you know, John's encouraging saying, encouraging that church to say, listen, God loves you. Listen, not only does he love you, but your sins are washed away. Your sins are gone as far as the east is from the west. He's cast away your sin. He's removed your sin far, far away from you. Don't go under that condemnation. And I know when tough times come, sometimes we we can be under such heavy condemnation. I'm not talking about conviction. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is a wonderful thing. Conviction draws us to God. Condemnation draws us away from God. 
Conviction draws us to God. We, we get close with God. We realize that we're sinners. We confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, and we draw closer and closer to him. We say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. I'm sorry, God. It's my fault. Please forgive me. And we draw ever so close to our king. Condemnation brings condemning heart where we, we don't want to go near God. And, and I believe that message is he's saying, you, you, the persecution you're going through is not because I don't love you. It's because we have an adversary. And he's persecuting you. But God loves you. And not only does he love you, love you, he has taken away your sin. So don't, don't fall under condemnation. Who is it that condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Condemnation's an ugly thing. I'll tell you, I wasn't going to bring it up because I don't want to bring up, because my wife went through a terrible time. I was sick the other day, and I was, had, the doctor said it's vertigo, but I, I got out of bed in the morning. I couldn't even stand up. I fell down, and I was just, the whole room was spinning. I crawled to the bathroom to, the, to, to vomit, and I went back into bed, and I went back to the bathroom and vomited again and went back. I'll tell you, I was confessing sins I didn't even do. <laughs> I was confessing my wife's sins. <laughs> Lord, maybe she did something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, forgive me, God. I don't want it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Take it away. I believe it's conviction of the Holy Spirit. Drew me closer to Jesus. But I know the enemy is a liar. He's the one that condemns. And when you go through some heavy trials and some terrible things... Don't, under, don't listen to the lie of the enemy because God doesn't remember our sins when we give it to him. He washes them away. I heard a story the other day about a young pastor that was pastoring a church and he just got out of Bible college and there was an elderly lady in the prayer meetings that kept saying, you know, God said this and God spoke to me and God, you, you're so good and you're speaking to me and this. And every prayer meeting she was saying, how oh, God's speaking and God's speaking. And this particular pastor somehow it irked him. I don't know why I'd be blessed by that, but he wasn't too blessed by it. And he went to her and says, hey, you know, listen, you know, you keep saying God said this, God said that. He says, let, let, me, let me tell you something. He says, before I went to Bible college, I did something terrible. I didn't tell anybody. He says, you know, I, I told it to God. I've repented everything. He says, but, and I, I, I didn't tell anyone. I'll tell you what. You say you hear from God. I'm going to give you one week. Next week, I want you to come and tell me what I did wrong. And then I'll know you hear from God. So she's like, okay, pastor, whatever you say. So she went away. A week later, he says, okay, you know, week's up. What did God say? What, what did I do wrong? She says, oh, God spoke to me. But he said, he doesn't remember what you did. And that's reality. When we confess it to the Lord, he doesn't want to remember. He puts it behind. It's not like he has amnesia. We have a father in heaven. It's like, oh, man. Oh, no, I can't remember. You know, not like when we get old. You know, not like that. He, just, he chooses not to remember when we go to the cross. He washes us. And that's what they're being told. God loves you. And he washes you. Verse 10, again, if you can. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day again. And I heard behind me a voice as of a trumpet. You're a note-taker. The Lord's Day could be translated Sunday, the first day of the week. I want to point this out because the early church believers met on this day. They met on Sunday. The apostles, they would meet on Sunday. They, they, they met every day of the week, but Sunday was a special day. And the reason why Sunday was a special day that they had fellowship is because it was the day that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. 
But I want to remind every one of us the importance of the Lord's Day and gathering together. They, they, the early church, they gathered together every day. They met, they broke bread, they had fellowship, they hung out, and it was something they did every day. They opened up the Word. But, but Sunday was set apart as a very special day, the Lord's Day, the day they remembered that Jesus Christ rose from the dead after he was buried. And it started early on in the early church, and it continued as we read through the Bible. It continued. And I'm bringing this up again to say, let's guard over the Lord's Day. Let's do whatever it takes to guard over Sunday, because I know the enemy wants to keep us out of going to church and out of, you know, the yes, the midweek Bible study, this important, the prayer time, the prayer meetings, all these are important, but especially the Lord's Day. And you're to give it over to the Lord. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.